How many of you know that we can see things without recognizing what we're seeing? I saw something the other day. It was on Instagram, and it was a rock pile. And my mind goes places that it just goes. And it reminded me, I thought about the rock pile at Gilgal when Israel went through the flood stages on dry ground when uh, all the Egyptian army was coming after them. And they were told to take out 12 rocks and pile them in a pile. And there was a purpose for that, and that was to remind all the generations that came behind, when they saw that, they would see it, but they wouldn't recognize it because they didn't know what it represented. And, and they would explain how God had brought them through supernaturally on dry ground into the promised land and how what had happened was Egypt, the Egyptian army, was drowned, so their enemies were cut off. How many of you know God didn't just do that for Israel? God's going to cut off your enemies if you'll just follow him, especially in places that we don't recognize the pathway or, or how he wants us to go. And, uh, and so we have to trust him. We have to trust him with everything. And we should because there's no one that's more trustworthy, more trustworthy than God. And as, as I was looking at this rock pile that I had seen on, on uh, Instagram, there was a message in the midst of it, and I didn't recognize it. And I kept staring at it, and it kept encouraging the little information below said, you know, look at this until you see the message. And the message in it was, the rocks and the stones will cry out. It's a scripture. And it's, it, if we don't praise God, the rocks and the stones are going to cry out praise to God. So we have this amazing privilege of praising God and worshiping God all the time for who he is and for what he does, but more so for who he is. And so I, I, I didn't recognize that initially. And, you know, we walk in here all the time, and I had somebody last week walk in who had never seen the foyer or anything else, and I asked them, I said, what would you think of the flags? I said, what flags? I said, you walked right past them. But you know what happens is we become acclimated to things. We, we don't see what's always there. We see what we want to see. We see what we're looking for, but we don't see everything. And how many of you noticed the flags this morning? Don't. Well, you're in church. I did. Well, I want to tell you something about those flags. That there were seven new flags added. Now you may say, well, so you're a flag church. No, we're, we're, we're a Bible-believing church. But seven flags were added. And, and I, would, I would challenge you to find them. All right? Now, I will give you a hint. They're from the same mission organization. And all those flags represent missionaries or mission organizations that we support that minister all over the world. So even though you're sitting here or wherever you are online, wherever you're sitting, you're not just having an impact where you are. You're having an impact all over the world. We are, and I, I, I always think of this, we are a local church with global impact. And that's what God has for all of us. We are God's people 
but our impact and impartation needs to be well beyond us for and no more. We need to have impact over everything because Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And it's happening. And this, this organization that we put seven new flags up, we, we've been supporting them for a while, but we just got the flags not too long ago. And uh, the organization is SOS Adventures. And I just got a brochure from a friend of mine who is one of the uh, uh, leading people in this organization. And I just want to read some things that you'll realize the impact that you're having. In 2023, 730,000 people in Africa heard the gospel. 10,000 people were remarkably, miraculously healed. 88,000 935 were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. 105,526 of what they've recorded were saved. You, you had a hand in that. You had a part in that. Seeing a, over 105,000 people in one year give their life to the Lord. You're going to get to heaven, and I believe that there are going to be people that come up to us that say, thank you, thank you, thank you, and we will not recognize them. We'll be like, okay. You know how we do? I have people walk up to me at times and say, oh, Pastor Jeff, it's so good to see you. It's good to see you. And in my mind, I'm thinking, who are you? And, and it's not because of my age. It's just because I don't, I don't always recognize everybody, especially if we're in a different place. But there are so many things that, that God's doing through your willingness and obedience. And with children in Africa, listen to this. 19,915 children in Africa heard the gospel. Three hundred and twelve. There were documented miraculous healings. Now I, I will tell you because I know one of the man men, Fernando, who is a friend of mine, who is part of this organization. They are seeing people raised from the dead. They are seeing Muslims by the thousands giving their life to Christ. You won't hear this on CBN, CNN. Uh, I'm sorry, CBN you might, but CNN you won't, or NBC, or ABC, or CBS, or any of the other major news networks. But it's happening because God's on the move. 9,000 children were baptized in the Holy Spirit. 2,000 teachers were trained. 11,250 school-aged girls and women were educated about women's health. This is what your giving here does around the world. And this is just one of the organizations. Amen. And that's great. And, and I, I just want you to know I am so grateful for your willingness to invest and be involved in the kingdom of God but if God hadn't done what 
he's done in each of our lives, none of us could do what he has for us to do. So let's give God a great praise for all of this. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We are so grateful. You are so good. You know, our God is a generous God. You can't outgive him. But sometimes we get concerned about what's going on in our lives and what's going on in the world. And we tend, when we get concerned or fear starts to come, fear paralyzes us many times. It, it, it restricts us from being as free as God has for us to be to show forth the kingdom and show forth the love of God. And so don't let fear rule you. The Bible says God's not giving you a spirit of fear. But that doesn't mean that the spirit of fear that's in the world doesn't try and come on us at all times. But we've got to resist that. And the only way we can resist that coming into our lives and, and really controlling us, the Bible says, if we'll submit ourselves to God. That's the key. Submitting ourselves to God. Being willing to be who God has for us to be and do what God has for us to do. And how do you find out what God wants you to be and what God wants you to do? Yeah, the first place is you read your Bible. You really get in there and dig in and, and, and begin to read the love letter that God has given to us and how he wants and has designed and desired to work in our lives to make you a living, breathing example of God who is love and what his kingdom is like. And if we begin to live that way, I'm telling you right now, people, people, people will line up to find out why our lives are different. Amen? Well, we've been learning about the kingdom of God, and we're going to continue. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us online. I believe you've made a good choice. There are all sorts of choices you could have made. You could have slept in this morning. And some of you online, you're still in your pajamas, but that's okay. You could have decided to go anywhere and do anything, but, but you decided to come here, and you online decided to take the time to give to God. And I believe God is going to reward that. Bible says God is a rewarder. You know, a lot of people don't know that. They think God is a punisher. He's not. He's a rewarder. Now, sin brings its own punishment. But God rewards and God redeems. And so this morning, I believe God's going to reward each and every one of us that are here or online with truth. The truth of his word the understanding of, of his plan and his time for you, what, what he's doing and what he wants to do. Because God has a plan. And what does, anybody remember what Jeremiah says about God's plan? That's right. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil with a future and a hope. And so the God's plan today is for good with a future and a hope. What is a hope? It's not a questionable expectation. We say, I hope, I hope, I hope. And it's almost like, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I would like it to. God doesn't work that way. When we talk about biblical hope, it's a confident, a confident, not a questionable, a confident expectation of good or God having his way. And God wants to have his way here today in each of our lives. And he wants you to know what his plan is for you. So today, be available. Listen. 
not, not to me or to whoever's up here just to hear what, what whoever's up here says, but listen for what God is going to speak through the words that are coming out because there's a message for you. And that message is specific. It's personal. It's powerful. And it's life-changing. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence. Father, there's no place we can go that you're not there. So we know that you're always there. But Father, you've said it where two or more are gathered, you are there in their midst. And you inhabit the praises of your people. We praise you. We're gathered together. You're here. And Father, it would be a waste if we just spent time and left and weren't changed. But Father, I know that you desire each of us to be transformed today by the renewing of our minds through your word and by your spirit. So I thank you, Father, for your words to each one of us individually and all of us corporately that, that we would be built up as the body of Christ, as the church that you're building that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. But Father, we would have the rhema word, that specific, specialized word to each one of us that's unique and powerful like a two-edged sword. That we would be empowered and imparted the sword of the Spirit to be able to do battle with the enemy. And so today, Father, we thank you for the transformation that will come because of the illumination of your word and the revelation Holy Spirit brings as we apply it in our life and we go from glory to glory. We thank you, Father, for all of this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So a couple of weeks ago, we, we began to get into some things, and, and we're just going to review a little bit in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. Uh, we spent a lot of time on this. Uh, the scripture says, and, and the book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. It says, a man's heart plans his way. And, and how many of you know that our hearts always don't have God's ways in mind? Right? I don't want to burst your bubble. But the scripture even tells us that the heart is, is desperately wicked. Okay? We can't trust our hearts, even when we're saved, because sometimes our own fleshiness comes in and we want what we want, when we want it and how we want it. And, and we realize that we can, we can have our plans, but not always do our plans align and track with God's plan. And as much as every one of us, I want it and you want it, we all want our plans because we innately think our plans are best. That's why we balk when somebody else gives us a plan. Because we think, how could they possibly know what's the best for my life? But the reality is, we don't even know what's best for our lives. We think we know, but how many of you know what's, I'm, I'm not saying you can project. How many of you know exactly what's going to happen in an hour? Well, Pastor, I hope you're done with the sermon in an hour. Yeah, but that's a hope. That's one of those questionable things. And you're like, oh, I better start praying now. 
No, we don't know. We, we want to believe, but God knows. God's in your future. God's redeeming our past. And God is present with us, imparting and empowering us to be able to live a victorious life that Jesus came and died on the cross to give us. So we, we want to plan, but the best plan is God's plan. And we should always be willing to set aside our plans for God's plan. But we plan. And then it goes on to say, but the Lord. Or it could say, but our master. And if that ruffles you, if that grates on you, realize that you don't realize who your master is. If you and I are saved and we call Jesus Lord, then he is our master and he's a better master than you are of yourself or I am of myself. Because everything God wants for your life and for everyone's life is the best. And so we say, but the master, the master directs, guides our steps. And so when it talks about directing and guiding, realize that throughout the scriptures, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to be led by, by the, the Spirit of God. That the Word of God should be the parameters by which we live. In this same chapter, in chapter 16, verse 3 and 4, in the Passion Translation, it says, Before you do anything, put your total trust in God not yourself, then every plan you make will succeed. If I told you today that there is a way that every, every plan you have would succeed, would you be interested? The only way that happens is we don't have to pray for God to make our plan successful because there's one that's already pre plan for success, carries success within the plan itself, and that's God's plan. So we need to trust God before we do anything, while we do everything, and after it's done. Because when we trust God, if we kind of get off track, because none of us walk perfectly with God, if we don't hear completely, but to the best of our ability, we're trying to be obedient, to walk with God, be led by the Spirit, be in line with the Word of God. If we get off track, God can get us back on, and He can work all of this out for good. That ought to take all the stress and the pressure off us. We just have to be obedient, be aware, be available, and be obedient to God. You also know about the, the scripture in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with your whole heart. Lean not to your own understanding and always acknowledge him and he'll do what? Direct your steps. The Bible tells us the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. But in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, in the easy English Bible, it says, Trust the Lord completely. Don't think you understand things well enough for yourself. Whatever you're doing, remember that the Lord is with you. Then he will show you the right way. That's a promise from God. 
He'll fulfill everything he promised. But we have to trust. And then in the voice translation, it says, place your trust in the eternal one. Rely on him completely. Never depend on your own ideas and inventions. Give him credit for everything you accomplish. And he will smooth out and strengthen the road that lies before you. God has this plan. He's got this plan, this path. And and one of the things that he wants for us is that we would want, more than anything else, we would want his will in our lives. Not our will, not somebody else's will, but his will. Because it's the best. And so he directs our steps. And we found out that the word steps means steps. Some of you are like, what? Yes, that's revelation. But it also means your stride. What is a stride? It's the length between your feet as you take a step. How many of you know your strides vary? If you're on flat ground, you can take long strides. But if your ground isn't so flat and isn't so stable and isn't so so uh, even, what happens with our steps? And we start to do this, right? You watch people walk in the parking lot on the ice. Because we have to adjust because of what we're finding ourselves in. So God directs the stride. How long, how short? The longer the stride, the shorter the time to get to the distant endpoint where you're trying to get to. But if it shortens up, what happens to the time it takes for you to get there? It takes longer. Yeah, but I don't like long. I like fast. Really? What happens if you want to go fast and you're headed downhill? I, I, there's something wrong with me. I confess this right now. I was watching a show of this, this event where people were running downhill. And it was just train wreck after train wreck after train wreck. And God's got to help me because I just started laughing. Because I'm watching these people do something they know isn't going to end well, and yet they did it anyways. Just like us. And so we've got to adjust our stride, but we don't know how to do it. God does. And the last thing, he directs our steps. Our step, how quickly we step, how far we step, and then the pace. You know, if if you're running, your pace of your steps pick up. But how many of you, well, there are some of you that probably could just run forever. But we realize we have limitations. We can't just go at the pace we choose because we come to a wall. We come to a limitation and we have to stop. But when we're empowered with God's directing our step, our stride, and our pace, God's grace is enough to keep us 
in all three of those and bring us to his appointed destination. That in the midst of all the battles we're going to encounter, because we are in this world, all the obstacles, all the opposition, God will give us what we need to be able to arrive where he has for us when he has for us to arrive. Because God not only has plans, but God has timing for us. How many of you know if you arrive too early, it's not good? Or too late, that's not good. Right? And yet God has a perfect time for everything in a season. And that's what we found out in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. We read it two weeks ago. To everything, what does that leave out? Nothing. To everything, there is a season. Now, when we talked about seasons, what are seasons? Yeah, it, it, it's a type of time, but it's usually fairly large in its duration, right? The summer season, the three weeks we have of summer up here, right? No, we've, we've had a pretty good winter this year. It's, it's not been too bad. The only winter that I remember in over 30 years that was less snow than this was the year we were building this. I just recently saw some videos, and some, somewhere along the line we'll show you all, but saw the videos of us putting these trusses in and the purlins and, and the wood and, and then closing the building. And I want you to know it was December and January and there was grass out there. There was no snow. That was a miracle of God for us. But there are seasons. And then it says, and a time. So seasons and times. And times are shorter. They're more precise, but they're not exact. For every matter or purpose under heaven. And we, we left off two weeks ago, talking about David and about how God had a plan for David. Now, does anybody remember what David was as far as uh, what he did before he became king of Israel? Yeah, he was a shepherd. He was the youngest of all the brothers. And God had spoken to a, a prophet, Samuel, to tell him that the king that was currently king of Israel was no longer going to be king because he had departed from relying and trusting in God. And he was going to have to remove him. You know that the Bible says God raises up kings and sets kings down? Well, if he does it with kings, he can do it anywhere there's authority. So don't worry. Don't worry who's in authority. We respect authority. We we submit to authority as long as our, the authority that is doesn't tell us something that's illegal we have to do, immoral, unethical, or unscriptural. Because the Bible says every authority that's in authority is placed there by God. Now, either the Bible's true or it's not. And we may not like the authority, but we still have to honor the authority that is in authority. 
And, and Daniel, Daniel honored the authority, but he honored God above the authority. He, he submitted to God when they told him, you can't pray to any other God. And we have to be willing to recognize, what does the Bible tell us? And what do we just prefer? Because this isn't about our preference. Because we all prefer a variety of things. Some of you really have to pray more for. Because you prefer Brussels sprouts. And I see them. My wife is one of them. (laughs) I see them as mutant cabbages. Part of the curse. (laughs) I have a believer back here. (laughs) But, you know, it's not about our preferences. Because we have our own individual preferences and reference points and perspectives and and, uh, dislikes. But don't make it about us because we've got somebody who is more sure, who is absolutely perfect, and we can trust in all the goings on. If he can keep the planets in orbit in our solar system and the universe, don't you think he can take care of what's going on in our country. See, this is where we've gotten really off. And so am I. Because I had not planned on talking about this. But, but there's such division because we're looking too low. Our focus is way too low on what makes a difference in our lives. Because if God really is our master then he'll take care of us no matter what's going on. And we don't have to be ugly, and we don't have to be divisive, and we can be what God told us to be. Jesus told us they will know that we're his disciples by what? Our love, love for one another. And yet even within the church, people are acting crazy. No love condemnation, there's guilt being spread, there's accusations, divisions, strife, envy. The Bible tells us where there's envy and strife and all, there's all these evil things. Jesus is coming back. What's he coming back for? The church. And what's the condition of the church without spot or wrinkle? Not all torn up. Not all at each other's throats. We have to learn because we see that we have to be able to still value people that disagree with us. They don't lose their value. God still loves them. Why don't we? And I I, I have a sense that I'm saying this because we're headed into election time, which polarizes the world, but it also polarizes the church. And we should not let something man-made divide the church. And I'm telling you, please, I'm begging you, please, don't. 
fall into the trap of the enemy where we take things that are temporary and we elevate them above the eternal. Because when we do, when we take things that are temporary or, or our perspectives or our desires or whatever, and we elevate them above the eternal, we have now moved from building the kingdom of God to building the enemy's work. Do you know that every, any and every one of us can be used by the enemy? Or we can choose to be used by God. And we're the only ones that decide. And that's why it's so important that we do what the Bible says, endeavor, work, to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Because I shared in this place quite a while ago about how revival comes. We want revival, don't we? We want to see God move in our country like we just read about that's going on in Africa. But understand that that can't happen unless people are choosing to unite. Revival is a byproduct. We don't look to do revival. We look to unite. When the body of Christ unites, then revival breaks out. Check it out. Check out any of the revivals we've had recently. And one of the main features of that was people were in with one accord. They were in one heart. They had one purpose. And that purpose was to glorify God, to hear from God, to worship God, to praise God, to exalt God. Not all our petty little wants and likes. Please, please, just bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me, forgive us. For being taken advantage of because we prioritize the wrong things. We think things that are only temporary more important than you, than you and the things that are eternal. Father, help us not be ignorant of the enemy's devices and how he tempts us and draws us into the things that would facilitate and provide him with his desires being fulfilled. Father, we want to fulfill your plan and your desires. Help us to recognize when, when we're, we're being ensnared with the things that bring division. And help us to walk in forgiveness and love and kindness patience and faithfulness the fruit of the spirit and father as we walk in love we would believe the best we wouldn't count a suffered wrong we wouldn't demand our own ways we would want your ways above our ways or anybody else's father cleanse us 
put a guard on us. Father, we pray Holy Spirit would help us recognize before we ever get entangled with these things that will be pervasive in the upcoming months. Help us to walk in your spirit. Help us to deny ourselves and give no place to the flesh. That, Father, we would see you working in us. Connecting us and contributing to each other and to your kingdom. As you will and do your good pleasure. We thank you, Father, for the good work that you've begun in us. That you're faithful to complete as we partner with you and yield to you. Submit to you, to your word, to your spirit. And see your life and your kingdom abound. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So going back to, to David, David was anointed by the prophet Samuel, even though his father didn't know what David's calling was, what David's, David's purpose was, God's purpose for David. His brothers didn't know, even the prophet didn't know. And then when, when they brought David, the youngest who had been out in the field watching the sheep, God spoke to the prophet and said, this is the one I've chosen. And he anointed David at that moment. But it was 15, at least 15 years later, that David actually became the king of Israel. Because the current king, Saul, who had departed from God, who, who the spirit of God had left, and he didn't even know it. Because he was depending on himself and what he thought was best and all these other external opportunities he had to consult with witches and all sorts of things. God said, you cannot continue because you've departed from me and now my spirit's going to depart from you. And David was set in as king, but, but before that happened, he went through being hunted to be killed by the current king. It was not easy. It's not anything that we would think this is the way it should work. But in those times, there was something going on. David was being developed. You know, in, in difficult times, we all have them, right? Can't, can't avoid difficult times. One of two things is going to happen in our lives in the difficult times, and we, we determine what the outcome is. We're either going to be damaged or we're going to be developed. And, and I'm not telling you that to be developed, it doesn't hurt. I, I, I see some of the folks that I go to the gym with, and I, I, I don't necessarily hear them, but I hear people in the gym going, oh! usually me, told some of the younger guys in the gym, if you hear a, a scream, look for me, help me. But, but when you are being developed, it's not comfortable. 
It's not easy. It's not always pleasant. But you're not there. People don't go to the gym because it's fun. At least I don't know anybody that goes to the gym because it's fun. They go because there is a plan. There is a purpose that's coming, but it's not immediate. But it's worth it. I'm telling you, the plan of God, no matter what the cost, no matter what you have to endure or go through, it's worth it. Because in this life that's so short, if all we're doing, like most human beings, are looking for what's easiest and most comfortable, we're going to regret it when we get into eternity. Because we're at eternity, we're going to recognize there were so many opportunities God gave us. And because we had elevated the earthly, the temporary, what's pleasant, what's easy, above the eternal, we're going to realize our lives could have had much more impact. We could have impacted our family, our friends, our community, strangers, people all over the world if we had just been willing to stay the course that God had. And he'll give you the grace to do that. But you've got to understand the grace of God kicks in where we end. The Bible says in our weakness, in our frailties, his strength is made full. We've got to come to that place of saying, you know what? I could do something, but I can't do what God has for me to do by myself. And so every time we stand and look at what God has for us, it's going to overwhelm us because it's going to be bigger than us. Because God wants you to realize he doesn't want you to show off and show up and, and show how great you are. Last time I remember the old hymn, it's how great thou art, not me. And, and so what happens is God wants to use all of these cracked pots. Now don't look at or bump somebody because you think I'm talking about them because I'm talking about all of us. These cracked pots that God shows what he can do through it because that's when Christ is revealed. And when Christ is revealed, the glory is revealed. And part of every revival is glory, but it comes when we, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And the Bible says in due season, he exalts us. He lifts us up, but the reason why he's able to lift us up is because we're not so full of us, we're full of him. And people are able to see him and be drawn to him and be saved by him and be healed by him and be delivered by him and be filled with peace and joy by him. Because, folks, we don't have that in us that's of us. If it's in us, it's because of him. It's Always because of him. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. And that's why we need to be people that always give him the glory. When God does something wonderful in our lives or through our lives, we, we have to fight that human tendency to say, no, I did a pretty good job. You know that happens? God's going to send somebody with a pin. Just to bring us back to reality. 
Because every good and perfect gift comes from who? But it comes through whoever will let him have his way and give him all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And so David was willing to do that. David was a man after God's own heart, but how many of you know David wasn't perfect? If David walked in here right now and said, hey, I, I, I just want to be a part of the leadership team of this church. And we knew that he was a liar. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. How many of you would say, oh, yeah, we're good with that. But he didn't stay in those places. He experienced those things just like we do. But God didn't count them out. Don't think God's counted you out because of anything you've done. God always keeps his plan in place even when we go way off track. As long as we'll be willing to be brought back into line with God, he'll fulfill his plan. And David, David at this time where we began to look in chapter 12 of 1 Chronicles, we looked and saw that people were gathering to him. The first group that came were, were, were train wrecks. They were people that, that had so many things going on in their lives. And yet they, they decided they were going to seek after someone that would help them attain to some sort of hope. And they became the mighty men of David. But then as time went on, King Saul died. He died, his sons died in battle. And, and we looked at some of the scriptures that were happening and how all these people from all over Israel, all the different tribes, began to gather themselves with one heart for one purpose, to fulfill the word of the Lord that David was to be king. And when you read down through this chapter, and we're not going to do that, there are so many people that are doing so many things and, and so many attributes, but there's one in particular this is what God had been putting in my heart for this year about this one group from one tribe. And in verse 32 of 1 Chronicles chapter 12, it says this, and of Issachar, don't name your kids Issachar. It's a great name because it means bringing reward. But all the other kids will torment your kid if you name him Issachar. Because the, the nickname will be Issy. But of Issachar, men who had, now, now look at this, this is so important, men who had understanding. How many of you know it's so important to have wisdom and understanding? Then you, then you don't just wander around. Understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. We have all the attributes of the other groups that were coming to David to make him king according to the word of God that didn't break rank, that were of one heart, 
There was a unity that was occurring, and they were all there available, but nobody had what this group had, understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. They had all the resources, but they had to have some guidance. What, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? They understood the times they were in. Who gave them that understanding? God. The Bible talks about the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of him. God gave them that so they knew what Israel ought to do. So many times I sit with people and they, they'll say, without saying it exactly like this, I don't know what to do. And I don't want to frighten them and say, I don't know what to do either. But I know who does. There's one who always knows, not most of the time, not 90% of the time, not 95, not 99, 100% of the time. He doesn't guess, he knows what needs to be done. And he'll give it to us. But understand, God's not going to give information just if we're shopping. And what do I mean by that? I mean, you know how you go shopping, you look at this and you pick this up and you put it back and you look at this and pick this up and put it back. And then you may get something or you may go out with nothing. Shopping for God's will if he reveals it, would put us in rebellion if we don't accept it. And that's why the Bible says if you seek him, when you seek him with your whole heart, when you seek him diligently, you'll find him. When nothing means more to you, is more important to you than knowing God's will, then he'll reveal it. But up to that point, he's not going to put you, he's not going to put me in the place of rebellion because we're shopping for God's will. It's among a variety of other options we have. When it comes down to us saying, this is my only option, I have no plan B, C, D, X, Y, Z. There's only one plan for me, and that's my master's plan. Then he'll reveal it to you. He's not playing games, but we shouldn't be playing games with him either. And so they, they understood the times. They were aware by God revealing to them what their times were. What, what were the seasons they were in, the times they were in? What should be happening when? Because if you do the right thing at the wrong time, you've heard this. I was in the right place at the right time. Right? And what does that infer? It implies that everything worked out well. You've heard this statement. Timing is everything. But what if you're in the right place at the wrong time? How about if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time? Not going to work out well. How about if you're in the wrong place at the right time? You're already in the wrong place. Couldn't possibly work out well. 
So the right place at the right time, and God knows the place, and God knows the time. And that's where we have to be willing to humble ourselves before God. When he reveals that to us, we can have the wisdom and understanding to be able to be what God has for us to be and do what God has for us to do. And right now, I want you to know that the body of Christ, the church, is asleep. The Bible tells us that the days we're living in are like the days of Noah. Now, what does that mean? Who was Noah? Help me. Thank you. Built the ark. Did he do it in a week? Okay, did he do it in a month? Did he do it in a year? Did he do it in a decade? Yeah, they, they have a span, maybe, maybe 90, maybe 80, maybe 100, maybe 100 plus years. Now listen. Noah is looking like the crazy guy in the neighborhood. Hey, Noah, what is that? It's a boat. A what? It's a boat. Why are you building it in your backyard? Because it's going to rain. What? It's going to rain. What's that? Do you know if you read your Bible? They hadn't experienced rain like it was going to rain. Deluge. Where it came out of the heavens and the ground opened up and water came up from the ground. And he's saying, but there's going to be a flood. A what? Hey, crazy Noah. When's it going to rain? And they were doing everything normal, just like every day had been every day. Until the day that the door to the ark closed. They should have had a clue. They should have taken notice. What happened before the door of the ark closed? Man, every animal was now coming into the neighborhood, walking right past their houses, down the street. It looked like a parade, like the circuses used to have. When they came into a town, they would come by railroad. They would walk all the animals through town to get them to the field that they were going to put up their tents. And it was a big deal. Everybody stopped and came out of their businesses to watch these animals of the, the circus come down the town, through the town. This is happening in their neighborhood. And they're like, going to go on with my life just as it is. And too many people are just going on with life like it's just going to go on forever. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for the church, for us, without spot or wrinkle. There's some work to be done. At least I know in my life there's some work to be done. And I would dare say it's every one of us 
But if we just go on with our lives like we go on with our lives back in 2023 and 2022 and 2021 and 2020 and 2000 and as many years as you've had, then we're going to be just like the people in the days of Noah. They saw it. They were aware of it. Did not impact their lives. The Bible tells us in Romans that our salvation is closer than the day we first believed. Jesus, his return is closer than it's ever been. And we shouldn't be people that don't understand that, aren't aware of that. And that's where in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, how many of you have heard that, that the Bible tells us no man knows the day or the hour of the return of the Lord? How many of you know that doesn't give us a license to not understand the seasons and the times? The day and the hour is different than seasons and times. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Verse 1 and 2, it says this. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Now that seems to contradict itself. It seems to give us a, a we'll never know. So we just go on with our life day by day just the way it's always been. But that's why we can't take things out of context. So he tells us that we have no need that he should, Paul should tell the Thessalonians about the days, the seasons, and the times. But we will not know the day and the hour of the Lord's return. But seasons and times we will. And then in verse 4, it goes on to say this. But friends, you're not like you're not in the dark. So how could you be taken off guard by any of this? He's talking about the return of the Lord, the day of the Lord. You're not in the dark. You're not going to be taken off guard or by surprise by this. And if we as Christians today are not keenly aware of the times and the seasons we're living in so we know what is best, what we should be doing, then we're like the people of Noah's time. It goes on to say, you're sons of light, daughters of the day. We live under a wide open sky where, and know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life, like those others, let us keep our eyes open and be smart. I think that's a tremendous word picture, sleepwalking. There was a guy I knew in college that was a sleepwalker. He wasn't my roommate, but he was next to the room that I was in. And I would see him in the middle of the night walk into our room, other rooms, do things, and never remember what he did. He was functioning, but he wasn't there. 
There are a lot of Christians functioning, but they're not really there. They don't understand the seasons and the times that we live in. And we should. We should understand these times and seasons because the scriptures tell us. And I've, I've said this to my wife and I never even knew it was in scripture. That God gives the crane and the robin and these different birds an understanding of times and seasons. How do we know that? Up here, we hear them all the time. We hear the Canada geese. They've been going over. They're gone. They're going to be coming back. What is that? They're, they're migration. God has put in them enough to know I can't survive right where I am. There has to be an adjustment. I need to be prepared. To go and to come. If birds know that, do you think God would leave us out of this? We should be people. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But we should know the season we're in. The times we're in. And how we need to be preparing ourselves, the body of Christ, preparing to fulfill the will of God, the plan of God, before Jesus comes back to take us out. You know, this, this is really good news. But unfortunately, sometimes what happens is, just like what happens with the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation is good news for Christians. It's bad news for the world. But anyone can turn from having that which the Bible tells us is going to happen and that not be their end that they turn to Christ, trust in Christ, and have a whole new destination and destiny. But what does that take? When people, many people read the book of Revelation, they get freaked out. It scares them. And God has never put anything in his word to scare us, but everything in his word to prepare us. And these are the days. We can't just be going through life just like the people in the day of Noah. When God was preparing, Noah's preparing. We need to be preparing. Preparing ourselves for what God has for us. Preparing ourselves as we put off the old man and the old things and the old ways and put on the new man that's renewed in righteousness and true holiness, that we would be the bride of Christ without spot or wrinkle. 
we're going to talk more about this. We're going to see more about this and how incredibly important this is and how the Bible tells us there are going to be those that they're just going to be sleeping. The Bible tells us darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But it says for you as a child of God, me as a child of God, arise, shine. For the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. This end time that we're living in, God is preparing an end time harvest like never has been seen before in the entire history of the world. More people are going to turn to trust in Christ. And I tell you this, and I've tried to tell you with what we've shared today about what's going on in Africa. All the missionaries that we support, that I have talked to, have said God is doing this amazing, phenomenal work where Muslims, radical Muslims, are turning to Christ giving their life to Christ. This is happening in countries that are so antagonistic to Christianity, to Christians. They, they've, they've chopped their heads off. They've killed them. And now they're turning to trust in Christ. This is an indication of the last time harvest, last day's harvest. It's going to sweep the world. And understand this, we don't know how fast it will go. Because right now, the potential for information, for revival to sweep the world because of the technology, it could happen in hours. We don't know the day or the hour, but we should know the seasons and the times. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait another day. If you haven't turned to trust in Christ, to repent of, of your sin, to turn around from you doing your own thing, running your own life, and realize you and I, none of us have the ability to truly have the best life apart from the one who provides it, and that's God. But it means when we repent, we release control of our lives. We receive a Savior who becomes our Lord and Master because we can trust Him when we can't trust us or anybody else. And we're going to pray today. I'm going to invite everyone to pray with me, but I am asking you, if you have never Turn to trust in Christ, whether you're here or you're online. I would invite you to pray. When you speak these words with meaning, realize that you are experiencing a, the transformation of all transformations. You're becoming alive to God, connected with God, part of his family, part of his kingdom. 
And then he is able to do things in your life because you've invited him in to rule and reign in your life, to govern and guide your life. Things that you have never been able to do on your own, nor could anyone else. So if that's you, if today you're saying, you know what, I, I realize the days are late, the hour is short, and, and I, I want to turn my life over to the Lord. I want Him to take control. Or maybe, maybe you've, you've given Him that control, but you, you realize over the period of time you've gotten back into the driver's seat. And that's not a place any one of us should be. God should be guiding and governing. But he won't push us out of the way, but we can push him out of the way. doesn't mean we're not saved, but it does mean that we're not going to have the best that he has for us as, as his children. And maybe, maybe you've done that. Maybe today you're just saying to God, God, I, I realize I've taken over control again. I give you back control. But whatever way it is, if that's you, as we pray, let God know. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who willingly left heaven, came to earth, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay the price for my sins, who you raised from the dead, and he sits today, glorious and victorious, at your right hand. Lord Jesus, I come to you and I proclaim I'm a sinner. I thank you for the price you paid for my forgiveness. Today, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Guide me, govern me, guard me as I walk with you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me from this day forward. I am yours. You are mine. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer today and you're here, let somebody know before you leave. Uh, I'll be around and you want to let me know, but let somebody know. And if you're online, let us know that you prayed. Go to the website, reslifeny.org. Uh, scroll down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you by name, let us know your name. And if you want to be contacted, give us contact information. Would you stand? Okay, family. We've got some family business real quick before I let you go. But that is, we've had some situations. And one is, I would ask you to be praying for uh, part of the body here, Ray Jaworski, his mom went on to be with the Lord. She's now in heaven, the greatest place there is. She's, she's, she's experiencing everything that God promised in a way that we can't even begin to imagine. But it's all good for her. But everyone that has somebody that transitions from this part of life to eternal life, there's always a loss. And so we need to be praying for Ray and for his family, for them to be comforted and strengthened during this time. Amen? Also, we've had people going to the hospital. We've had more reports that I can, can remember at one time of people dealing with sickness, battling 
Now understand this, Jesus took stripes on his back. The Bible says that by those stripes, we were healed. The Bible also tells us that the Spirit of God that God puts in us when, when we pray and receive Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit, He's the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that quickens our body. And, and that's not a word that many of us use, but it means to make alive and fully functional for the benefit of us. The Bible also tells us that God, one of His names is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God that heals us. And so we see that God is a healer, that God has made provision for our healing. And even in Jesus' life, when the Bible says God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were afflicted of the devil. That's what God has for all of us, but sometimes we have to stand for each other. And so before we go today, and I'm asking you as you go, Please be praying, thanking God for his provision for healing for, for our brothers and sisters. But right now we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all those that are, that are standing against the, the manifestation of the enemy's work, sickness and disease. You've redeemed us from the curse of the law, which is all sickness, disease, and poverty. And today, Father, we speak your word that, Jesus, you are Lord of these lives, and you came to give life and life more abundant, your spirit quickening these bodies. And, Father, we thank you for re redeeming to the uttermost, rescuing what's going on, working it for good and causing health, healing, strength, vitality, and Lord, you are our shepherd and you restore souls, wholeness to body, minds, soul, and spirit. Father, let it be done, the manifestation of your provision in the name of Jesus and all of those that agree said, Amen. Amen. Have a great week.